Please turn with me now to the Word of God in Romans 8. The sermon text this morning is verses 15 and 16 of Romans 8. We'll read the first 17 verses. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And that's as far as we read this morning. Let me read verses 15 and 16 once again. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit 
that we are the children of God. How do I know that I'm one of God's children? How do you know that you are God's children, his sons, his daughters? That's a question that's been at issue in our denomination over the past years. But that's not the reason why I've chosen to preach on these verses this morning. That question, how do I know that I'm a child of God, is not only an issue in our denomination, but it's also a very personal and not easily answered question for some of us. Sometimes we look at ourselves and seeing our sins, it's hard for us to say, I am one of God's children. In spite of my sins and weaknesses, I belong to Him. Times of doubt, sometimes our trials and life's difficulties make it difficult for us to answer that question as we should. The Word of God here tells us how we know that we are God's children. It's by the testimony, the Word of God says that here, by the testimony of the spirit of adoption and by the fact that that spirit of adoption leads us to to say, Abba, Father, to call God our Father, and especially to do that in times of need. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning, that testimony of the spirit of adoption. We're going to be talking first about the spirit as the one who brings us this testimony, this wonderful testimony. Then we're going to be talking about the testimony itself. He testifies, beareth witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. Finally, we're going to be looking at the result of that testimony. That's that cry, Abba, Father. The cry 
That's really what the text is saying when it uses those two words. A cry that you hear from the lips of every one of God's children. Verse 15, that's where we'll start this morning. Verse 15 may be a little confusing when you read it begins, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. And you must understand that the spirit there is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, I can't even imagine that. The Holy Spirit is never the spirit of bondage. The spirit who, for God's children, produces fear in them. Can't be the Holy Spirit. But the reference there is to our spirits. To that that something in us that makes it possible for us, not everyone does, of course, but makes it possible for us to know God and to love Him and to have a relationship with Him. Now, the verse talks about the spirit of bondage talks to us as New Testament believers about that spirit of bondage because in the Old Testament, God's people, though they were God's children, were treated by God himself as though they were servants or slaves. They were put under what the Bible calls the bondage of the law. That doesn't mean they were slaves of sin. That would have meant they weren't saved. But it refers to the fact that the law in the Old Testament, the law of God in the Old Testament told them what to do always and in everything. Told them how to eat, what to eat, how to plow their fields, how to harvest their fields. Everything was covered by the law. And that was a kind of bondage because it made them feel not like God's children, but made them feel like servants or slaves. The Word of God talks about that in Galatians chapter 4. That's one of the reasons, by the way, that it wasn't so nice to live in the Old Testament. 
You might think, you know, would have been nice to have seen Abraham, would have been nice to be at Mount Sinai, would have been nice to have worshipped at the temple. But living in the Old Testament wasn't always so nice, and this is one of the reasons. There, the Apostle Paul says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, and he's talking about God's people in the Old Testament, the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage, under the elements of the world. And then it goes on to talk about the fact that the coming of Christ and the outpouring of the Spirit made all the difference. You can probably understand that better if you put yourself in the position of one of your own children, one of the children of the congregation. They have to be told everything. And it's only when they're older that you can take away some of those laws and that the time comes when you can say to them, look, you're old enough to make these decisions yourself. But until then, you make all their decisions for them. And their whole life is ruled by laws, sometimes by laws that aren't actually all that important, but which they need because they're still children. That was what it was like in the Old Testament to be under the law. They were God's children, but they sometimes felt like servants because of all the rules and regulations and because God told them in everything what to do. And the Apostle Paul is saying here in Romans 8, that's done with. You don't have a spirit of bondage anymore. You ought not feel as children of God that you're so under the rules and regulations of the law that you can hardly move without breaking some of those rules and regulations, so that you live in fear that even in eating and drinking, you're going to do something wrong. That's done. And it's done because God has poured out for you the Spirit of Christ, who is also the Spirit of adoption. It's through the Spirit now that you've received all the rights and privileges of God's children and are not being treated anymore as little children and ought not feel in the house of God like servants and slaves. You've received now the fullness of your your position as God's children. Not 
the spirit of bondage again to fear, or a spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It's the spirit who, in the New Testament, leads believers to a full enjoyment of their sonship in God's house. Something, as I said, that they didn't enjoy entirely in the Old Testament. It's the Spirit who leads us then to cry, Abba, Father. And that's a reminder, too, of what it was like in the Old Testament. God sometimes spoke in the Old Testament of the fact that he was the father of his people. But try to find a passage where God's people say to him, Abba, Father, there are not very many. And that all goes back to what Galatians 4 says about being under the bondage of the law and being treated, even feeling in the house of God that you are like a servant or a slave and not one of his children. Spirit of adoption then, the work of the Spirit, poured out at Pentecost by Christ himself, is a very, very important part of our adoption. Adoption begins, that's amazing, you know, our adoption begins in eternity. When God, by his grace, receives you or me into his family, shows us his love, then one of the first things we learn is that he always loved us before the world was created, before, long before we were born. He loved us and in love chose us to be his children. We are, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 5, predestinated unto the adoption of children. And the people of God in the Old Testament were loved by him. God said to Pharaoh in Egypt, Israel is my son. Let him go. Or face the consequences. So they had that, loved and chosen by God from eternity as we are to be forever his sons and daughters. But because we're born into another family, and I think you children know what family that is, not God's family, but the family that Jesus was talking about when he said to the unbelieving Jews, you're of your father the devil. And the works of your father 
You'll do because we're born into that family. There's a whole legal process that has to be has to be gone through for us to be God's children. We have to be rescued from that other family where our only prospect is death and hell. We have to be rescued. We have to be washed because that house and that family is not a nice place to live. It's not a nice, clean house. I'm talking spiritually, of course. We have to be rescued, washed. We have to be clothed. And the Israelites in the Old Testament had that too. God talks in Ezekiel 16 about how he found Israel like an abandoned child and adopted Israel to be his own. How he washed Israel and clothed Israel and brought Israel into his own family and house. They had that in the Old Testament. But they were nevertheless treated like servants under the law. That doesn't mean the law was a bad thing. When we make laws for our children, that's not a bad thing either. It was necessary because they, like our children, are not only young and sinful, but very foolish. A lot they have to learn before we could say to them, look, you're old enough to make your own decisions old enough to know what's right and wrong. The work of the Spirit, and that's the testimony of the Spirit too. The work of the Spirit is the work that shows to us as New Testament believers that what I could only call the fullness of God's love, what his fatherhood really means, in a way that it probably wasn't possible to know in the Old Testament. An Israelite could have said, I don't feel like a child of God. With all these rules and regulations, living in fear of breaking one of them, I don't feel like a child. I feel like a a servant in the house of God. That all changes with the coming of the Spirit and His testimony. And that's the thing I want to talk about especially this morning, that testimony. And I want you to understand this, that it isn't 
The testimony of the spirit of adoption, which really brings us into the full enjoyment of our sonship. It's not a little voice in your heart saying, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. God doesn't work that way. It's not a voice from heaven either that says maybe in the darkest hours of the night, shake your bed so that you're awake and then says to you, you are a child of God. It's not the way God works. That testimony of the Spirit that proves to us the love of God for us His children and gives us, gives us a knowledge of His fatherhood that God's people didn't have in the Old Testament is not so much something the Spirit says, although He does say it here, but it's what the Spirit does. And you can best understand that by thinking of an adopted child here in the church or Perhaps an adopted child that you know. Parents have gone through the whole legal process. For us, of course, that involves the death of Christ on the cross. His blood is the foundation, the legal foundation for our adoption. But these parents have gone through all of that, paid the fees, hired a lawyer, whatever's necessary to make that child their own. But you can understand that at that point, the child really knows nothing of what it means to be their child, knows nothing of what it means that he now has Loving, caring parents. He learns that, he or she, learns that when those adopting parents take that child into their home. And instead of the rags that he wore when he was living on the street, they give him nice clothes to wear. And give him, though he was once starving, they feed him. Show him their love by tucking him into bed at night. By providing for him. By protecting him. That's the work and testimony of the Spirit of adoption. We who were spiritually, of course, starving and perishing, spiritually naked, are by the Spirit taken under God's wing and under God's care 
and fed, fed with the Word of God, cared for. And in that way, God Himself, through the Spirit, shows us His love. And we learn His love, learn His care, learn His fatherhood. That's the testimony of the Spirit of adoption. That the Spirit brings you here and feeds your soul with the Word of God is part of that testimony. That He clothes you with the righteousness of Christ Himself. Those spotless robes of righteousness that are described in the Word of God. That God keeps you now at His side. Even when you want to wander, He makes sure that you don't get too far away and perish. Always, always through the Spirit, proving His love and care for you as His children. And that's the way that we, in the same way that an adopted child learns the love of his adopting parents, we learn the love of God. God, how does Romans 8 put it? The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So shows us so much of the love and care of God that our own spirits are finally able to say, yes, God loves me. Yes, he's my father. Yes, I who was lost and dying now belong to God's family. How wonderful. And then, of course, we learn, too, as we learn that, We learn that God loved us in eternity, always loved us. And we learn, too, how he showed that love in rescuing us from that horrible family to which we once belonged. That's Romans 8. Verses 15 and 16. Not the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption. But there's one other thing. And if you're really going to appreciate what the spirit does as it's talked about here in Romans, you have to understand this too. We as adopting parents, if we are such, can take a child, can show him our love and care until that child recognizes us as his parents, loves us in turn, 
and responds in love and says, Father, Mother to us, calls us his father and mother. There's one thing that we as adopting parents can't do. I suppose today it would be put something like this. We can't make that child ours genetically. But what I mean by that is that even though that child is now in every sense of the word ours, and recognizes that, he's never going to look like us, he or she. The boy like his father, the girl like her mother. It's always going to show that that child was from another family. But when the work of God's Spirit is ours as adopted children of God, God does what is humanly impossible and makes us children, not only as far as his care and love for us are concerned, but he makes us like himself and like our brother, Jesus Christ. That takes a long, long time. Takes a whole lifetime, in fact. So that the Apostle John says in 1 John 3, it doth doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Or as Paul puts it in the last verses of Philippians 2, there's a day coming when even these bodies will be changed into the likeness of Christ's most glorious body. And that's part of the testimony of the Spirit, too. And something that we have to learn to see in one another and in ourselves. Look at myself, oh, I see a sinner. But I mustn't stop there. I have to look at myself and see at least the beginnings of the work of the Spirit who is transforming me, body and soul, into a child of God and see the evidences of that. Perhaps in the fact that I don't speak the same language I once spoke. That I don't think the way I once thought. The way that the whole world seems to think. That even though I'm a sinner... Sometimes feel myself to be the worst of sinners. I'm not, not like, and don't want to be like, like them. Those who don't know God want nothing to do with Him, hate Him. Not like that. And that's part of the testimony of the Spirit, too. 
showing me in a thousand different ways the loving kindness and care of my heavenly Father, and so proving to me his fatherhood, but also in changing me into the likeness of my heavenly Father, so that in some small creaturely way, I look now and will look forever like my Father in heaven. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That was missing. Mention the fact that rarely in the Old Testament do you find a child of God calling God Father. Jesus, by his coming, changed that. And so does the work of the Spirit. Not the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption. And that's the other thing, whereby we cry, Abba. Father, I am thankful when I read Romans 8, verses 15 and 16, that that's there in the passage. It doesn't say, that be disheartening in a way I can't even describe, doesn't say that the, that what shows in the life of one of God's children is that they obey their heavenly Father perfectly. Doesn't say that. Because that wouldn't be true, would it? It doesn't say that the evidence of the Spirit's work and of their adoption is that they march around saying, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, in perfect confidence without any doubts. Because that wouldn't be true either, would it? But the evidence of the Spirit's work, the bottom line, if you will, The thing that proves me, you, to be one of God's sons or daughters is that we cry to God. Isn't that exactly the way it is? I look at myself, I see all my sins, and I say, how can I ever be a child of God, or think myself to be a child of God. But I tell you, beloved, when I'm suffering, struggling, I know who loves me. I know who will listen. I know where to go. And that's what Romans 8, verses 15 and 16 is all about. In prayer, in worship, sometimes wordlessly, from the bottom of my heart, 
I cried to my heavenly Father, not always even knowing what to say or how to say it. But I know that He will hear, that He understands in our Lord Jesus Christ that He loves me and that somehow or other in a way that I can't even begin to understand, He will help. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And I don't know whether you realize that or not, but Abba is just another word for, for Father. It's the Hebrew word for Father, so that what we really have here is the word Father in two different languages. The King James Version, Hebrew and English. In the Greek, it would have been Hebrew and Greek. But that's just the Bible's way of saying, this is what every child of God does. No matter what language they speak, no matter their outward situation in life, no matter whether they're rich or poor, Hebrew, Jew, or Gentile, this is the characteristic of God's children. At least in this life, this shows more than anything else what God has done for them, first through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ and then also through the work of His Spirit. He has so worked in them by His Spirit that they know Him. And they know that He will help in every time of need. They may not know what else to do. But young or old, rich or poor, Jew or Gentile, they know what to do. To cry, Abba, Father. You see, that's why I said I'm thankful for that part of verse 15, more thankful than I can say. If that's what identifies me as a child of God, that in times of distress and need, I know where to go, and to whom to cry, then I can at least begin to see that yes, with all my sins and shortcomings and failures, I am a child of God because that is what I do. And you do too, don't you? Am I a child of God? Sometimes difficult for me to see that. But in every time of distress and need, it's to Him I go. Isn't it? God grant it. Amen.
Father, we thank Thee for the blessed privilege of being able to count ourselves Thy children. We're thankful for the work of the Spirit especially, who testifies with our spirits that we are Thy children and whose work causes us to cry to Thee as our Heavenly Father. Forgive us, Lord, the sins we have committed in speaking of these things, and bless us as we go our separate ways for a few hours. Use Thy Word to comfort, to help, to correct, to do whatever is necessary to bring us to that day where we will see thee face to face in the face of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.